Hello, friends. This is Darren Hayes of PigskinDispatch.com. Before we take you to your favorite Sports History Network show, just want to tell you a little bit about some merch that you can pick up that represents your favorite SHN podcast. So far, there's t-shirts, coffee mugs, and even books from some of the authors that do podcasts right here on SHN. Who could buy something better than that than have the history right from the, the gentleman that you hear talking about it? But we also are adding things each and every day. And where's that store, may you ask? Well, it's at SportsHistoryNetwork.com. Up at the top, there is the SHN. HN merch button. Click on that. It'll take you right to the store and you can be representing your favorite podcast and show the world that, hey, on the swag that I'm using, it's the headquarters of Sports Yesteryear, Sports History Network, and my favorite podcaster, the Sports History Network store. Shop there today. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. It's time for Lombardi Memories, a show that takes you back in time, into January or February, to the greatest one-day spectacle in all of sports. This is the Every Other Tuesday podcast that looks back at each and every one of the 50-plus Super Bowls and tells the story of who won and why. For the fan who needs more than just a box score, this podcast goes drive-by-drive, play-by-play for the most dramatic games in history. I'm your host, Tommy A. Phillips, and you can visit my website at TommyAPhillips.com, where you can find all of my books. Those include Nifty 90s, the stories of an amazing decade in pro football history, which covers this second Super Bowl of the decade and the next eight as well. Today, we have Super Bowl 26 which was held on January 26, 1992, at the Hubert H. Humphrey Metrodome in Minneapolis between the second-time AFC champion Buffalo Bills and the record-tying fifth-time NFC champion Washington Redskins. If you're looking for the full story of this 1991 season, pick up my Nifty 90s book and you'll learn more than you ever wanted to know about that year and the rest of the 90s. As always, we have a pop quiz and then homework at the end of the episode. The pop quiz question for today is this. Who are the other two teams that Washington tied for most Super Bowl appearances with five at the time of this Super Bowl? The answer will come near the end of the podcast. The Buffalo Bills, under head coach Marv Levy, breezed through their schedule in 1991. They won their first five games and ten of their first eleven. Most of the wins were convincing ones. The Bills scored at least 30 points nine times. In the divisional round of the playoffs, they crushed the Kansas City Chiefs 37-14. But after that game, their offense shut down. They made it to the Super Bowl with a 10-7 AFC Championship win over Denver, but their only touchdown came on a pick six by linebacker Carlton Bailey. There was cause for concern with their offense going to Minnesota for their second straight Super Bowl. 
Quarterback Jim Kelly had a banner year in 1991, throwing for 3,844 yards and 33 touchdowns and completing 64.1% of his passes. Running back Thurman Thomas rushed for 1,407 yards and 7 touchdowns, while also catching 62 passes for 631 yards. All that is to make it clear why he won NFL MVP, beating out his quarterback Kelly by substantial margin in the MVP voting. He was boosted by his fellow mate in the backfield, Kenneth Davis, who rushed for 624 yards himself. Receivers Andre Reed and James Lofton both went over 1,000 yards and totaled 18 touchdowns between the two of them. The Bills were an absolute juggernaut on offense, but they still had a strong defense, including linebacker Cornelius Bennett with nine sacks and defensive tackle Jeff Wright with six. And then you had defensive back Nate Odoms and linebacker Daryl Talley with five interceptions each. Meanwhile, over in the NFC, led by head coach Joe Gibbs, the Washington Redskins rolled right through their schedule as well. They won their first 11 games and finished 14-2 and with their two losses by combined five points and the second one being a meaningless Week 17 game against Philadelphia. The Skins then had no problem in the playoffs, beating Atlanta 24-7 and crushing Detroit 41-10 in the NFC Championship game to advance to their fifth Super Bowl. Quarterback Mark Rippon may have only finished fourth in the MVP voting, but he won the award in my book. He threw for 3,564 yards and 28 touchdowns with only 11 interceptions and a passer rating of 97.9. His team's passing attack was rivaled only by Buffalo's. Receiver Gary Clark caught 70 passes for 1,340 yards and 10 touchdowns, while Art Monk had one more catch than him and also went over a 1,000 yards. Meanwhile, in the backfield, the Skins had running back Ernest Biner going for 1,048 yards and five touchdowns, Ricky Irvins going for 680, and Gerald Riggs scoring 11 times. The coin was tossed by Steelers head coach Chuck Knoll having just finished his career in Pittsburgh with four Super Bowl rings. The Redskins won the toss and naturally chose to receive. When the Bills kicked off, referee Jerry Markbright was not ready, and the kickoff that went for a touchback had to be re-kicked. Fortunately for Buffalo, the second kickoff also went for a touchback. Also not ready for the start of the game, Thurman Thomas of the Bills. He lost his helmet on the sideline and ended up missing his team's first two offensive plays. That's why you'll see that Kenneth Davis was the official starting running back of this game for the Bills and not Thomas, even though Thomas was the league MVP. The Redskins and Bills started this game slowly especially for having such explosive offenses. 
Each team went three and out on their first possession. Washington got the ball back at their own 11, where Rippon rolled to his left and fired to Monk, who was pushed out as he tried to make the catch at the 23, and the first down was given to him. Rippon went right back to Monk on the next play for 18 yards. Biner burst for nine more, and then he got the first down on the next carry. Rippon then went to Monk two more times, collecting 50 yards on two passes. Riggs was the sword distance specialist, so he came in, but he was stopped at two on his two runs. So on third down, Rippon rolled to his right, fired to Monk, and the receiver brought it in for what was apparently the game's first touchdown. Uh-uh, said Mark Bright. The play was reversed on instant replay, as Monk had one foot in and the other come down out of bounds. The Skins settled for a field goal attempt, but even that failed. Holder Jeff Rutledge fumbled the try, and he was tackled for a loss. Buffalo got a pair of first downs on Kelly passes, a 12-yarder and a 19-yarder to Lofton, but the Bills were stopped and they had the punt. As the second quarter began, Biner ran for a first down past the 40. Rippon then hit receiver Ricky Sanders, the third member of the posse, on the long bomb for a 42-yard gain. A holding penalty on the next play stopped Washington from being able to get the ball into the end zone, but this time kicker Chip Lomiller got a good hold and made the 34-yard field goal to put the Redskins up 3-0. The Bills went 3 and out and punter Chris Moore got off only a 23-yard punt, giving Washington the ball at the 49. Rippon immediately went to Clark for a first down at the Buffalo 35. Biner ran for six more, then Rippon beat the blitz for an 8-yard gain. On the next play, the Bills were called for roughing the passer. That set up a 10-yard touchdown pass from Rippon to Biner, over the left side two plays later, and the Skins led it 10-0. Kelly threw a long pass that was intercepted by defensive back Daryl Green. Such an obviously bad pass that CBS announcer Pat Summerall called the interception while the ball was still in midair. The Redskins would waste little time getting the ball down into the end zone. First, an illegal contact penalty on Buffalo, then a Rippon pass to Clark for a first down of the 15. Next, Irvins ran for a 14-yard gain off the left side, setting up Riggs for a one-yard plunge up the middle to make it 17-0. If it wasn't obvious from the previous possession, Kelly and the Bills proved that they were absolutely rattled. They punted three more times before the half, only getting in the field goal range once on the final of those punts. Kelly had gotten the Bills down to the 20 thanks to a 21-yard pass to tight end Keith McKellar. But on a third down incompletion, Andre Reed got mad and threw his helmet, drawing an unsportsmanlike conduct flag. The 15-yard penalty pushed the Bills out of field goal range, 
and Moore topped off this incredibly terrible first half with a cherry on top by punting the ball only 10 yards. Rippin happily ran out the clock, and the Redskins ended the half with a 17-point lead. Kelly started the second half off by throwing an interception right to linebacker Kurt Gouveia, who returned the pick to the two. Riggs immediately scored from there, going into the end zone standing up, and the Redskins pushed the lead out to 24 to nothing. It would have been easy for the Bills to fall there, but give them credit, they hung in there a little longer. Kelly threw a pass to Reed for a first down, then followed with a third down conversion to Lofton for another first down to 45. He then went for the long ball to receiver Don Beebe, who caught the pass for a first down at the 11. Kelly threw another pass to Thomas to get down to the 4, but his next two passes fell incomplete. Kicker Scott Norwood, who was still with the team after last year's bitter ending, made a 21-yard field goal to cut the deficit to 24-3. Biner got one first down for the Redskins before they had the punt. The Bills then got back into the game, starting with an 11-yard pass from Kelly to Lofton. Next, Kelly threw the BB for nine more yards, and then Redskins defensive back Martin Mayhew got flagged on a long pass for pass interference, setting up the Bills down near the goal line. Thomas managed to get across the goal line on third down from a yard out, and suddenly the Bills were only down by two touchdowns. This was the key drive. If the Bills could stop the Redskins here, they'd have all the momentum and a chance at really putting the pressure on Washington since they're rolling down 24-10. to But Rippon was calm and cool on this next drive, starting with a pair of passes to Clark to get a first down at the 38. Irvins ran for six more, and Rippon hit Clark for a first down at the Buffalo 43. Irvins picked up another eight on first down, allowing Riggs to get the first down on a third down carry. Three plays later, though, the Redskins faced third and ten from the Bills' 30. Riffin fired down the right sideline to Clark, throwing the perfect deep ball with enough touch to get it right into Clark's hands. Riffin ran down the field with a hilarious celebration, but he didn't, he didn't need any style points. Instead, his team had gotten seven points, and they now led 31-10. to 10. Defensive back Alvoid Mays forced a fumble off Kelly, and defensive end Fred Stokes picked it up for the Redskins. Looked like the Skins were about to get another touchdown as Biner ran it down to the five, but his game got called back on a holding penalty. Now, Rippon did get most of those yards back on a 17-yard pass to Monk, but the Redskins settled for a 25-yard field goal from Miller to make it a four-possession game. Next, things continued to pile up on Kelly, as, he, as this time he threw a long ball, but Summerall once again called an interception in midair. This one was picked off by defensive back Brett Edwards. He returned the pick to the Buffalo 34. 
Irvin's Ramper first down to the 20, setting up Low Miller for a 39-yard field goal that made it 37-10 and officially put this game to bed. There, there was a lot more of the fourth quarter that's still to be played, where the Bills managed to make this game look close to the uninitiated viewer. That would include me. I was too young to see Super Bowl Twenty Six live, so when I read about it in books, I thought that this was a rather exciting game, given that it ended up 37-24. That was all a lie, though. It wasn't exciting at all. Instead, it was Kelly leading the Bills down for two garbage touchdowns, while the Redskins had completely stopped playing because they were getting ready for those t-shirts that were already in their locker room. Kelly threw touchdown passes to tight end Pete Metzelars and BB, but did it really matter? The Redskins had won Super Bowl twenty six by a final count of thirty seven to twenty four for their third Super Bowl championship in franchise history. This fifth Super Bowl by Washington tied the NFL record for most Super Bowl appearances. Who were the other two who held the re record before them? The answer to this pop quiz question is Dallas and Miami. Dallas went to half the Super Bowls in the 70s, winning two of them and losing another three. Miami went to three straight Super Bowls in the 70s, winning the latter two of them, then went to two and three years in the 80s and lost both. Rippin was named Super Bowl MVP for his 292-yard, two-touchdown performance. However, even though this was Rippin's year, I think there should have been serious consideration for Clark to be named MVP. Clark caught seven passes for 114 yards and a touchdown. Of course, you could split hairs between him and Monk, as Monk had seven catches for 113 yards and a touchdown that didn't count. So the MVP award should be shared amongst Rippin, Clark, and Monk. How about the least valuable player? This one's a tie between Kelly and Thomas. Kelly threw 58 pass attempts in this game, setting a Super Bowl record. Yet, he completed only 28 of those and threw four interceptions. He ended up with 275 yards and two touchdowns, but all that came once the game was decided and the Redskins weren't even trying anymore. Meanwhile, Thomas forgot his helmet on the sideline and also forgot that he was MVP of the whole league. He ran for just 13 yards on 10 carries, scoring one touchdown. He also caught four passes for 27 yards, hardly the numbers that an MVP should have in the biggest game of the year. If I were to give an MVP to the losing team, it would have to go to BB. He caught four passes for 61 yards and a touchdown. Nothing special, but the best that came from the losing Bills. The best player you don't remember is Kirk Govea, a linebacker who intercepted Kelly's first pass of the second half and set the Redskins up to go up by 24. 
He also picked up two tackles as Washington's defense completely shut down Kelly and the high-flying Bills. The biggest play of this game was Rippon's 30-yard touchdown pass to Clark when the Bills had come back to make it a two-touchdown game. Rippon ended all their hopes by hitting Clark for the score with a perfectly thrown ball down deep down the right sideline. As for the biggest play you don't remember, how about Reed's unsportsmanlike conduct penalty for throwing his helmet at the end of the first half? By costing his team those 15 yards, he also got them a shot at a field goal that would have at least put them on the board before halftime. Okay, for this week's homework, it's a little different. This time, I'm going to recommend something that I already mentioned. Hail to the Redskins by Adam Lazarus covers the entire Redskins dynasty, all four Super Bowl appearances by Gibbs and the three championships. I've already recommended it for a past Redskins Super Bowl, but I must do so again because it's good enough to read twice. If you thought the blundering Bills with their six fumbles, one of those lost, and four interceptions We're going away? Think again. Next time, we will have the worst of the Bills Super Bowls. And we will have the beginning of a brand new dynasty. That's right. It's time for... (laughs) How about them cowboys? If you want to read up on it early, go to my website at TommyAPhillips.com and pick up Nifty 90s to read all about this decade in the NFL. Until then, this is Tommy A. Phillips. So long. Hey there, sports history fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude, and I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network. Our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear. And if you didn't know it already, we have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. Each week, the official Football Learning Academy podcast will take you deep into the history of pro football, through interviews with players, coaches, or administrators in the NFL, as well as interviews with Pro Football Hall of Fame selectors, authors, and historians, you'll learn how the game evolved and important moments that shaped the sport into what it is today. And don't miss the Pro Football History Nugget of the Week. Listen to the official Football Learning Academy podcast on the Sports History Network. How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast.